Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Hopefully you executed the challenge from last week. We'll move into this week's episode. So this week we've had all kinds of different things going on. Uh, One of the things, I've just had some great feedback from our little private group called The Ascent. It's a small group of guys that uh, got together to help each other accomplish things that are important, but not urgent. So those things that we think, gosh, I'd like to do that someday. Here's something that's really important, a goal that I'd like to go for, and someday I'll get started on it and uh, make some progress. So it was really cool having this group of guys together. And one of the guys in the group sent me feedback specifically, and he said, it was really cool. I had all these goals at the beginning of the 12 weeks to accomplish. And a lot of them were wrapped around myself. And as I accomplished a lot of these different things and stepped into what's important, I realized that my kids are really important and they need me. And each one of them needs me in specific ways. So his next 12 weeks, he's designed a plan for each child to help them with what they need. And he went from self-focused, which he needed at that time to now other focused and building his family and building the connection. So it's just super cool to see that if you guys are interested in uh, getting in a small group or something to help you accomplish the things that are important, but not urgent. I'd love to help you with that. Uh, just shoot me an email at the Christian dad podcast at gmail.com. So anyway, aside from all that stuff, we have got a fantastic guest on with us today. His name is Don Manning, and he's got a book called crazy cool family, a podcast called crazy cool family and a great uh, free membership site. And he's also got a paid membership site, but anyway, crazy cool family. This is a topic that uh, I absolutely love. We'll get into a number of different things, but with, with that said, I told Don, I said, Hey, we don't need to give a big hype and intro for you because like crazy cool family says it all. So welcome Don Manning. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I so admire when dad, I'm so bad at when at being purposeful. I so admire the 12 week deal that this guy did because I've all, I've started so many of them and just failed miserably at them. And so just super encouraging that to see guys just executing things with their kids like that. That's so cool. So the thing, thing about it is that I've found in my life when I have the important, but not urgent, if I don't have somebody or some group hanging around saying, how's that going? Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm meeting with a guy this afternoon. Uh, he leads my small group at church, the men's group. And we just decided to meet every couple of weeks. Both of us are in a transition. I was telling you a little bit, Dan, before the deal, that I'm leaving my job to put more time into the ministry. And so and he's leaving his job to start a new restaurant. And so we're meeting together every couple of weeks just to figure out how to put the important things into our lives. You know, as we, for the, both of us for the first time, are kind of releasing our job responsibilities. And so it leads to a lot of freedom. Well, how many times does that freedom get filled up with junk? 
instead of something else. And so, and it's been super helpful. We were, and, and hopefully this is something I start that I will also continue, but I mean, I, I, we've been doing it for, you know, probably about a couple of months and it's super helpful just to, you know, have to, he helps me prioritize, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Prioritize is such a big deal. You know, having yeah. that clarity, knowing what to say yes to, what to say no to, and what to reach out and ask for some help with. Well, and you may, and you, I don't think you mentioned it, you may have, but I mean, there's that article that's out there called The Tyranny of the Urgent, that old time, have you ever yes. heard that, that old time, it's an old time article, it's about seven or eight pages, you can probably Google The Tyranny of the Urgent and find the PDF of it, but it's super insightful about how the urgent crowds out the important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, especially in this world where I just feel like I'm constantly distracted by things. Um, and so uh, I, I encourage everybody to go look that up. I think it's a really cool, maybe you could find a link and put it in the notes or whatever for yeah, people. Yeah. That would be awesome. So yeah, that sounds yeah, great. But Crazy Cool Family, you know, everybody always asks us, why do you call it Crazy Cool Family? You know, um, and the reason we did is because, uh, one, it's just a term I've always used for our family over the last 20 years or so, that this is a crazy cool journey God has us on. But I, but I really defined it as the Lord spoke to me more. It's like crazy. Not some people. In fact, some people sometimes will say, I don't want a crazy family. And I'm like, I get that. Crazy means different. God's ways are different. And when we do things God's ways, it, it is radically different than the world. And, and so often we're trying to raise our family like the world and it doesn't work. And so, so we call it crazy because just God's ways are crazy in our lives. He, he asked us to do pretty crazy. Jesus, we're celebrating Easter. You know, Jesus did a pretty crazy thing. You know, everybody said, go be a king. He did the opposite. He said, I'm going to go die for you. And, and that was God's plan. God's ways are always so different than our ways. So that's what crazy means. And, and cool is not like hip. Cool is when you raise a godly family. I have seven kids and they all love Jesus. And it's the coolest thing you'll ever do in your life. So it's cool and like, wow, this is so cool that God has blessed us and we have he's shown us in effect and empowered us to be able to have the joy and life and hope and love that comes when your kids are connected they love Jesus and they're making wise decisions in life I mean it's just the coolest thing you'll ever do other than salvation I always say that family is the greatest gift God has given me I mean by you know better than any of the money he's given better than even health it's just, you know, uh, my son just came home from college for Easter weekend and, you know, he's just here and it's like, there's a, there's a, there's, it's good. You know, the relationship's good. He's going to breakfast with his younger brother and my wife right now, as I'm doing the podcast. And I was like, it's awesome. You know, so I just encourage dads out there that doing family's worth it. And it, and, but it is a crazy cool journey. You got to do things differently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got you've got seven children. You're married. The, they range in age from like 16 to 32. Yep. So and I have four girls and then uh, my, uh, four girls and three boys. We had girls first. So at one time we were just talking about this, that I was, you know, in, in a house with five women. And um, and it was a you talk about a crazy time. I mean, there was just estrogen flowing everywhere. And um, and then um, 
um, it's about the year 2000. So we've been married about, we had, we had our first boy and then we've had, my boys are 22 and 18 and 16. So we still have one in the house, actually two in the house, got one about to go to college, who's a senior. And then, uh, just almost done with that, uh, parent, almost, almost empty nesters. <laughs> but then the grandkids are coming back. We've got three grandkids. So it is a, it's a pretty chaotic house, but it's, uh, it's all good. Yeah. So you mentioned family is even better than money. And I know you've had a successful career in business and you've always had a talent to create wealth and everything. And so a lot of guys, I think, see that and go, oh gosh, I got to get that. I got to get that. I got to get that money. And I know when I was a younger guy, that was something I was focused on really exclusively. Yeah. Do it with integrity, but at the same time, that kind of single focus. So I got successful in my own view of success. Yeah. Not successful in, you know, the way I understand it these days, but, uh, and to hear you just say that, I'm like, I want guys to hear that. So Don's got this fantastic family and he's made some money and he says the family's way more important and fulfilling than the money side. Well, I think there's, you know, uh, Dan, to me, what I've, what I tell, you know, I have been somewhat successful in business. Um, you know, sometimes, Honestly, as I, when the enemy gets to me, he's like, "Oh, you could have been a lot more wealthy if you would have done, if you would have done like the your some of your buddies did, and you know, and and sometimes he can get under my skin a little bit, you know, with some quote unquote regret, you know, with oh, what if you'd have done a little bit more, spend a little bit more time with that?" But I really think that I look at life in terms of spectrums, and and what happens is early in my career. Um, you know, it was, I was influenced to say, let's, um, let's make sure we don't sacrifice our family on the altar of success. Mm-hmm. And, and that, to me, that meant, uh, actually, it, it actually meant just, you know, looking at career options and um, business opportunities and things with the lens of, I'm going to uh, make sure that I sp- have time for family. And uh, at one time that meant, that I moved, I, I, I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so I was working as a chief financial officer in the Dallas market. The Lord just said, hey, you're coming home. I didn't know, and really what that meant was it wasn't that I worked less hours really, but by coming home, I was able to more integrate with my family. So I wound up buying a business. It was okay. I mean, we struggled through some times there, but you know, it led to some things that has led to more, but you know, so much of it is just how much time, you know, our pastor says, you know, other than money, time is really the other resource that we have. And, and it's actually more valuable than money in so many ways. But um, where are you going to spend your time? Like, you know, I just made time, for example, to coach my kids sports teams. You know, I made time to be involved in our church. I made time to um, be connected with our family. And it wasn't that I didn't work hard. It was just that I didn't it was, it was a matter of that putting, you know, just drawing lines on that spectrum. And it really paid off over time with my family. Yeah, that's so good. So something that I always focus on, uh, well, not always focus on, I wish I, I wish I did more of it, but I have a reminder for myself to focus on and you got crazy cool family. What I hear out of that is fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So I, I got reminders and things that I kind of measure and pay attention to, to remind myself to have fun. So we can have seven kids, we can have the work, we can have all the stuff. And 
get so busy with accomplishments and measurements and all these, you know, paying attention, keeping, keeping the plates spinning, focusing on what's important and what's not important, all that. But in that, some of us, you know, as a CPA type background, I'm thinking maybe that, maybe that was something you had as well, but I focus on fun. Well, I think that's awesome. In fact, one of the things we talk about at Crazy Cool Family is creating culture in your home that for so many kids, home's the worst place they go every day. But yeah. because that's where they're going to get lectured. That's where they're going to get, they, they're never quite good enough there. And, and a lot of dads are going, oh my gosh, and they're feeling the conviction of that. But I mean, you know, and, and instead, you know, we want to create a culture that, um, where we're inspiring our kids, where it is there's laughter in our home, where there is fun. You know, we tell parents all the time, what if you become an inspiring parent versus a critical parent? What if you kind of don't sweat the small stuff? And what if you're trying to um, uh, figure out what your kid's doing well instead of what they're doing poorly with? And, And what if you just share your heart. I mean, we, we, it's so wild to watch parents sometimes. They are the most fun-loving, engaging people. And then they're like, you know, you watch a, a mom or a dad, and then all of a sudden their kid comes and it becomes this, you know, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? You know, it, it, like you're embarrassing me and all those things happen, but with the, with their people. And then all of a sudden they'll switch back to, oh, and Bill, how's it going? You know, and, and tell them a joke. And it's like, why can't we be like that at home? Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? absolutely. And why can't we bring that atmosphere at home? One of the things, just a side note, one of the things I, I learned early in my parenting that was so helpful to me. So uh, when I drove, he said, and this guy told me, he said, when you drive home, dads, or moms too, but I mean, we're talking to dads in this podcast. He said, when you drive home, 10 minutes before you get home, start to think about what's happening in your home. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to think about when you're get in the mind of your three-year-old and say, what would my three-year-old love to see when dad walks in that door? Uh-huh. You know, what would my wife love to see when I walked in that door? And, you know, what my three-year-old would want me to say, hey, Johnny, how's it going, man? What's your day been like? You know, what have you been playing with? And just giving that attention. My wife would like me to come in with energy because she's been home all day with the kids. And those, for me, those four daughters have been running around and, you know, and there's probably, you know, there there's diapers on the floor or whatever's happening, you know, and, and Cheerios on the counter. And, and how can I come in with energy and life? And when I did that, I found that I would literally many times, you know, sometimes as dads, when the little kids are there, you kind of open that door and peek in and go, what's the temperature of the house today? Yes, yes, yes. But I would literally, you know, and so sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. And um, literally many times I did that, I would change the culture of the home when I went in there because I would come in with energy, come in with life, empowered by the Holy Spirit, instead of, you know, coming in and throwing my, you know, computer case down and griping about the day and all the things that come into that. I love that you're bringing life and laughter into your home. It's just so, it's so powerful for dads to do that. I love, love that you shared that. Love that you use the word, check the temperature. So are we going to be a thermometer? Are we going to be a thermostat? The thermostat can change the temperature in the home. And when we come in, if we're prepared 
to create the environment, create the energy that can change the whole rest of the night. And, and it's pretty critical. It's like the beginning of the day and the end of the day. Yeah, well, the beginning we of the day sets the tone. The end of the day, you know, kind of sets the tone for the beginning of the next day. Well, and even like, uh, you know, because so, we tell parents all the time that, um, you know, we get parents come to us and say, I hate the I hate the atmosphere of my home. Everything's so toxic. Everything is, you know, everybody's fighting all the time. And we're like, that's awesome. And they're like, what are you talking about? And it's like, because you can influence it. You have the power as a parent. God has given you a special authority in your house to be able to set the atmosphere of your home. And parents like, they don't really believe that. But when we start to teach them how to do that, they're like, and then all of a sudden the, the kids respond better, the spouse responds better, they get along, start getting along with each other. And it really does create a crazy cool family, a family where people are connecting and they're, they're, it's, it really is influencing the culture of your home. And it's something that you're purposeful about doing, just like you're saying, I'm gonna bring laughter into my home. That's a great way to do that. Because when you're laughing about something, you're not griping about something. You know? Right, right. So it sounds like you focus not so much on problems, but you focus on possibilities. Yeah, you know, so um, what we found was and is the first decade of parenting, uh, I, I, we were, I would say, a very principle-centered Christian home. And like, you know, what I mean by that is that, you know, we were going to protect our kids and make sure now technology was just getting started at that time, but it was, they were going to watch the right TV shows and they were going to spend the night at the right house if they spent the night at all. And they were going to, you know, do all these things and, and make sure that they were first time obedience was really important. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad, they're good, but we found that the more we were focusing on their behavior and, and the outside things, oh, we're going to protect them from the world and make sure that nothing happens that's going to ever hurt them and make sure their environment is, you know, their outside environment is super good. We, we homeschooled and, you know, we were, we were all in. We were <laughs> yeah, all were. in. And, I you, mean, go to, you go homeschool route, you're all in. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were, I mean, we were, we were everything, but we, and, and that's, again, I love homeschool. You know, it's, it's, there's a, there's a place for homeschooling. There's a place for private school. There's a place for public school all that but I mean but what we found was is that we were as we focused more and more on the behavior of our kids we were losing their hearts because they were there was always this standard they couldn't meet and um and and we were always protecting them and it was always about and and the Lord just said hey what if you focus more on their hearts what if you focus more on the inside instead of the outside? Not that we neglected the outside, but then just a shift in focus. Mm -hmm. And what if we focus more on who they are becoming versus what they're doing? And what if we focus more on connecting with them rather than controlling them? And, yes. and so this was a long journey. This was like a second decade of parenting journey as our kids were becoming teenagers and um but we found it just started working that uh, you know the lord said in matthew 22 they said what's the most important thing he didn't say to obey he didn't say to achieve he didn't he said love yes. love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind so your first relationships with god then love your neighbor as you love yourself well who's your most important neighbor it's that woman in the bed with you it's that 
three-year-old down the hall that sometimes comes and gets in your bed. And it's, you know, it's, it's those can, and if we, and if we love them and serve them and connect with them, then we found all of a sudden our, our, everybody and our, our kids started responding. They started responding completely differently because we were listening more and, and we were, we were getting them to buy in. I always say that as a dad, you're, you know, you're running a little small corporation. And, and if you got seven kids, it's a little bit larger corporation, but, it, <laughs> but it's, but you know, but you're, but what we do is we focus on operations, but we don't focus on sales. We are selling our kids on a way of life. Yeah. We really are. And I we mean, really I don't are. apologize for that. We love Jesus. And we think. So, so I'll stop you for just a second. Yeah. We just said the sales word, like that's horrible. And we don't yeah. want to be salespeople and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Guys, sales isn't an ugly word. It's, it's the experiences we've attached to that. Sales is a beautiful thing. There's an old English root uh, to sell. The old English root, the definition is find a way to give somebody the ability to get what they want. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And that's really what sales is all about. So that came from the book, The Go-Giver with uh, John David Mann and Bob Bird. But when we think about giving people what they want, what, who wouldn't want a wonderful, joyous life where you get to go to heaven at the end of it? Like, there we go. Earlier, you talked about before we were recording about what your um, kind of uh, define what winning looks like for your family. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what we were doing is we, we, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm super competitive. I mean, I, yes. And I want to win. And I mean, and literally, I mean, you know, well, it doesn't matter. I was going to tell you a story, but it's like, I just, you know, I have story after story of just where, you know, I'm just an intense competitor. I've had to actually, you know, over time, I've learned to kind of um, learn how to do that better, I guess, is the way I'd put it. Um, the other day I was playing one-on-one -on -one with my 16 year old. And I mean, I'm literally, I'm literally at the end of the day, I'm injured, um, I'm diving for balls. I mean, it's like, you know, and at the end of the day, my daughter, my, my second daughter was watching me with my wife and they're like, dad, just stop. Okay. I mean, stop with the So, but I just remember being a young dad going, okay, how do I win at this game of life? How do I win at family? And, you know, I was telling you that, you know, I, I didn't, I don't even know what winning looks like. You know, I, I could see what losing looks like when you see a disconnect, you know, and, and it was seven kids. I'm like, God, I don't want to go four for seven. You know, this isn't like baseball. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this baseball scene behind you here at Bush Stadium. And I'm like, you know, if, if they hit 300, they're doing good. If we hit 300 in parenting, we've, we've, we've got some miserable relationships and some, some really disconnects. And I'm like, I'm going seven for seven. And how do I make that happen? And really, my wife and I started talking, and she's just such a saint. But she said, uh, you know, what, what does it look like? And we decided for us, the, the, the win was if our kids love the Lord and if they love each other. So if they're a valedictorian, great. If they get a college scholarship, great. If they, you know, we want them to love Jesus and to learn how to hear his voice and to learn how to make wise decisions and to be connected with us and with each other and our family. That if that happened, that would be the win. And, and how do we make that happen? So that's what really shifted in that second decade of just being focusing on that. And then that created, and, and our kids responded and all of a sudden they started to respond to, and I go back to the sales deal. I love the, 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 the um, definition of sales because 
we love Jesus and we want our kids to love Jesus. But we have this problem with, with quote unquote, selling Jesus. We'll, we'll run the operations of the business and we'll make sure that they get their grades done and they make sure that all these things are happening. But what about their way of life? What about their heart? What about, you know, how do we get them to buy in to uh, the mo most awesome way of life ever invented? Yes. And, and so that's really what I mean by being in sales and trying to win. And, you know, it's, and what's cool is, is that unlike, you know, some games, this is a game every dad can win at. And in fact, the more we all win together, the better life is and the better our families are. Yes. Yes. 100%, 100%. So what's an example of like that, that little shift of focusing on connection, um, getting away from uh, managing behavior and the operation side and switching over in, in your words well, to the sales I mean, side? That's a great question. And, you know, um, so um, let's say that you're, you know, let's just do it at a little young age. Let's say your three-year-old is uh, throwing fits. Well, you know, our tendency is we are going, and, and it's good to discipline them. We are not gonna let you be out of control and we're gonna give you a timeout or we're gonna give you a spanking or we're gonna go to your room or whatever it is. But what about the why? Why is that child throwing a fit? If we, you know, so often we move immediately. I always tell dads and moms and dads, you've always got the discipline hammer in your pocket. It's always there for you anytime. You can always pull it out. But the trouble is, as parents, and you're talking about more, we tend to just pull that hammer out and just start banging everywhere. Mm -hmm. we, we don't even know where the nail is. We're just banging. And But what if, as a parent to that three-year-old, you're like, you start studying them a little bit and asking them questions. Hey, maybe not during the fit, but after, why did you do that? What is it? You know, it's amazing how a three-year-old can communicate and, and especially, and if they get to be four and five, even more, and you start to understand the why behind it. So, and giving them alternatives, you know, so often it becomes immediately, you, you didn't obey me. I'm going to come down. And, and actually that child just hears, I'm not good enough. I'm not approved. But instead it might be, hey, you know, we're going to do it this way. And, and maybe, at, well, how, what, what's going to happen before the fit happens? What is it that we, how can we get around that? What, what's the why behind it? Does that make sense? And so oh, yeah. you're, you're looking at different, you know, it's just a matter of connection parenting versus control parenting. So often the first thing we do is bring out that hammer and just start banging away. And it, it, when we look at it a little differently, I mean, and let's say a teenager, I mean, my wife used to be the, uh, uh, the girl's pastor at a Christian school. And this will be an extreme example, but it'll, it'll put the point out. So uh, some moms came, a mom came to her and said, hey, my child, had a, we, we went away, they opened up the liquor cabinet, had a party, bunch of kids got drunk. And my wife goes, oh, that's awesome. What'd you do? And the mom's like, well, we ground them for weeks and we, you know, told all the parents and she's like, wait a minute. Why didn't you, did you talk to you? Well, I get it that they needed to be punished. There's no doubt they needed consequences. But did you talk to them about it first? Why did you open up that liquor cabinet? What was the feeling of getting drunk? <laughs> what happened? Did you do it for peer pressure or did you do it because you wanted to get drunk? What, why, what was the why? Because you guess, she said that the amazing thing about it is this is happening under your roof. In two years, 
they're not going to be under your roof anymore. What are you doing to connect? How can you change the way they think about alcohol through this situation? You know, Dan, does that make sense to you? You know, Make, when, makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, it's absolutely. Hard and it's relational, it's connecting. And especially for dads, we're like, oh gosh. I mean, I, I always say that, you know, I've learned more about parenting from my wife than it, like I learned a lot from God and my wife, but not necessarily in that order because my wife knows how to do relationships. And I saw her connecting, especially with my daughters. Yes. Over them, man. I would, they were going to, and they would obey me, man. I, honey, can't you see how they obey me and they don't obey you? I've had all those conversations, but I really learned that she knew how to connect with, she knew how to reach their heart. That is but, something that is, as a guy, that it seems like it takes so long for us to grasp that connection that women have and their ability to communicate and the, the heart connection and everything Yeah, where, where we're, we see it and we're like, what the heck is happening? And I just say, I, I always tell my dads that if you'll become a student of your wife, instead of her critic, you'll be amazed what you learn about family. Oh, absolutely. Because it is just, I mean, when you, most guys, their wives are better relationally than we are. And I just started I literally, I started studying how my wife worked with the kids and instead of, you know, and I used to think, oh, I'm doing this better than her. And I found, and in some ways, yes, I was, there's no doubt. I, I do get some credit, but in many ways I watched her and, and, and that's why I think God, we talk about in crazy cool family about the unity of family, that God brings two different people together as a husband and wife and together we parent better together than we do separately. Yeah. So I started watching my wife and hopefully she watched me a little bit and learned some things. But but from my perspective as a dad, I started watching her and started learning how to connect. Hey, you know, like literally, like, for example, like I would want to get on to one of my daughters, you know, for something they did or whatever. And I would go before I did it, I would learn to say I would say, hey, Suzanne, I'm about to go. I, I really am troubled by this deal. What should I do? And she would say, well, you know, the, here's all the emotional things behind this. And, and here's how maybe if you connected this way, and what if you're encouraged that way? And I'd go and maybe I'd do it in my own little flair. I'd take some of her advice. I didn't have to do it exactly like she said, because I'm me and she's her. But but I learned so much. But And sometimes it would be like I would talk to her and she would give me counsel. And then I just wouldn't have the conversation with my daughters because I could see that it was that wasn't going to help, and I needed to live to find another day. Yep, yep. I mean, those are the things. So I, that's a long answer to your question of how does it different. But you know, so often we just come in with our lectures, we come in with our hammer, we come in with the discipline. Um, and in reality, I think God wants us to connect relationally and find out what's why is this happening. And then dads will tell me, "Well, you're taking away my." Um, you know, you're, you're going to be a lax parent or you're taking away my ability to discipline. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I promise you the standards I have for my kids are as high or higher than yours. Promise you, no doubt, but I'm going at it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not about the standards. It's about the method. Yes. Yes. You know, um, and, and, and how, and I think that God's way of getting there how do you know one of the things I tell dads a lot is um, God calls himself father. He does it for a reason. He wants to give us an example of being a father. How does God treat us? 
you know, Hebrews said, we approach the throne of grace with confidence. And, and dads, is your throne, when you have a throne, just watch the way your three-year-old looks at you. Watch the way you remember how mm -hmm. you looked at your dad. Okay, so you've got a throne. Now, whether you believe it or not, you know, you may think you're not respected or whatever. There's a throne there. What does your throne look like? When your child approaches that throne, is it a throne of grace that they approach with confidence? Are they willing to talk to you about anything? Are they willing to come to you that they feel safe? You know, do they feel heard? You know, those are the things that are about how you parent relationally instead of from a controlling aspect. So I, I usually don't uh, reference like the day of the year that we're recording on or anything, because this will get released whenever this gets recorded on. But what you just said uh, is something I've been focused on this week. So today's Good Friday. Yeah. And um, Judas is kind of a, a main character talked around, talked about this time of year. Right. And what did Judas not have that kind of triggered all this domino sequence that happened after that? For some reason, he didn't feel like he could confess and tell people what his thoughts were. Mm. Here he is for three years walking around with these guys, sleeping out in the open, you know, telling jokes, doing hard stuff, you know, surviving you know, hanging out at the foot of Jesus, you know, one of his best friends, Jesus says, uh, Hey, here's the deal guys. Somebody's going to betray me. And all of them look around like, who is it? Nobody knew. Nobody knew, yeah. you know, Judas kept those thoughts private and what our kids can do and what we can do and what our spouse can do when that connection's not there is feel like we can't share our thoughts because the person's going to be critical of us, because what will they think? Because what's the long-term, you know, going to be? And what happens when that connection's not there, when that openness isn't there, when we're not curious and instead we're critical, what happens is we shut down. I can't Absolutely. tell that person. I can't be open with that person. Um, you know, correction's going to happen. I can never talk about in the story you shared, I can never talk about liquor ever again with my parents because that was a bad conversation the way that one went. <laughs> Yeah, it started off on a bad note. It's I mean, like that'd be tragic to find out that that happened at my house. Yeah. However, um, why was that liquor cabinet just right out wide in the open? Right. When you were leaving for the weekend, when your kid's sixteen. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, how, that's surprising. Like, how how did did you set that up for your kid? Like, did you did you design like, or yeah. did you just leave and not think about it? Like, what else was going to happen? Yeah. And think about all the conversations. I trusted you. I, I you know, and, and we speak. Our kids, what I, one of the things I learned, especially with girls, but with every kid, they so want their parents' approval. God yes. has hardwired us to, I mean, why do kids pursue their parents even though their dads rejected them or moved away? Why do kids go pursue? Because we're hardwired. We're hardwired for family. We're hardwired for relationship. And so, as dads, we got to be super careful with that approval need of our kids. And because, and, and, and it's easily, they can easily feel like they're not meeting our standards and it's hard to get them to feel like they are, they do meet our standards. Yes. Yes. We're going through, I coach a little softball team and part of a kind of crazy, cool family. It fits in. Uh, you might chuckle at this one, 
we're trying to come up with a team name. And of course, all the girls have, you know, a million different names and none of them <laughs> quite blah, blah, blah. And we can't come to any type of consistency whatsoever. And so I looked up a whole bunch of names, you know, hundreds of names and finally settled on one. I'm like, we're going to be the Luna chicks. <laughs> they at first kind of liked it. And then they're like, wait a second. All the parents love this name. Yeah. None of us kids like this name. Are we really <laughs> going to get that on our jerseys? I'm like, yep, 100%. Well, and isn't that, isn't that a great example of how so often, you know, we, the way a parent thing, and we, we tell parents this all the time, is how do you get into the mind of your kid? Because we don't, I mean, I, I know that we think we're still young and we're all still hip and we can still play basketball or whatever. Right. But, but that's, but really, I mean, even with technology, it's like we are, we are strangers to the technology world. We are foreigners. They mm -hmm. are inhabitants they are citizens and how we relate to them so my wife you know again i've learned so much of this from my wife she'll just ask them hey tell me about rather than control the app for example yes i want to get on the app with you tell me about it i want to learn about it let's do it together let's you know maybe a tv show that's a little bit risque Hey, let's watch a few episodes together. Let's figure out what's going on in there. And then let's see what happens. Maybe, we, you know, so often we have, you know, so it's really just connecting in and that, and that what that does, that's that speaks, you are worthy. You yes. are known, you are loved. You know, when Jesus got baptized, the Lord said, this is my son whom I love. In him, I'm well pleased. Mm -hmm. This is my son. I, I, I identify with you. I love you. And I'm so pleased with you. And I tell parents this all the time. If, if you can get to the end of the road and your kid believes that, that they're loved, known, and, and, what, and they're amazing, then, then you will have accomplished much as a parent. Yes. And, but that's hard to do. It, it means that we flip our thinking in a lot of ways in the way we interact with our kids on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'll share a story. I shared this with a, a guy in a, a coaching group the other day, totally unrelated to parenting, by the way. No, so good. Southwest Airlines realized that uh, people like when they fly and they land somewhere that their bags are also there and that they can get them. Imagine that. They met, they, they say, Oh, this, this is something people want. And we've been having some struggle with it. So right. naturally as a manager and everything managing the operations, you'd think the conversation would go to Don, you're in charge of these bags here. There's a problem, fix it. Right. Or something along those lines, whatever that sounds like, or bring the whole baggage handling team together and bag problem, fix it. Right. Or how are we going to fix it? So they had a consultant in and they're like, you know, here's what we're going to do, or here's what we're thinking or whatever. And they said, they said, okay, so you want to focus on the problem? Yeah, absolutely. We want to fix it. So as dads, we can go right to the fix. And um, the consultant says, what if we expand and look to the possibility of what could be? Okay. Like, I guess we could handle bags. And I said, no, let's, let's design the question differently. Let's still have the meeting. Let's bring more people into the meeting and let's, start out with the question of um, how can we create the best, most amazing arrival experience for our guests? Wow. 
And the whole, they, they said, that's it. We'll do that. And then the whole room came together and they had all this energy and excitement. And I'll be darned if they also didn't discover that having the bags show up when the people show up and matching them together yeah. was something that people really enjoyed. So they discovered that on their own and they came up with some solutions on their own in a uplifting, positive move in the family in the direction that, that was exciting and energetic. And they came up with the, these other awesome solutions to problems that they didn't even know existed and yeah. made so many things better. So that collaboration in a positive way made all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, um, that's a great story. And I, I can, let me flip it into a parenting story as well. I think that helps relate to this point. And, and it's, and, and dads, I just want to tell you that this is something that, that I had to learn over years you know, uh, it wasn't something that it's not something natural to us. Like you say, we're naturally fixers. And uh, so being so, you know, don't beat yourself up too much, but let's just, you know, hopefully we're helping you think about another direction. So my 16 year old, 15 at the time, he wants to be a football player. So he's uh, so we are working him out with a, a very good trainer costing me some money to do it. You know, that's helping him be a defensive back, uh, helping him get in shape and stuff. And so, um, and, uh, but he, I'm having trouble with his own personal work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and so what I could choose to do is be a dad that says, hey, um, you know, if you're going to be good, son, you've got to keep working at this. And every day I'm going to make sure that you are doing your workouts. And why aren't you doing your workouts? You don't want it enough. Why aren't you doing more? Do you really want it? You know, gosh, what a loser you are. You're, you know, is what I'm speaking to him. Oh yeah. Make sure you throw the loser word in there. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. You know, this big <laughs> L on the forehead, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, you wouldn't, we wouldn't say they're a loser, but in effect, that's what we're communicating. Right. You're not enough. You got to do better. You got to make more. So, you know, instead I just said, um, I said, Hey, let me ask you a question. What do you want to be as a football? Do you want, is football important to you? What do you want? What's your goal for football? And he said, well, I want to, I want to have a, I want to start in high school. You know, I want to be, um, I want to be really good, at, you know, at, at, at a safety. And I said, great. I said, and so, and I showed him, I said, here's the check I wrote to your trainer, you know, and, and it was, you know, I wrote him like a check for a lot of sessions, you mm -hmm. know, like a whole season. So it was a pretty good sized check, you know, especially for the 16 year old. And he looked at it and he's like, okay. You know, kind of, you could see his eye. I said, all right, here's the deal, Kate. I believe in you. I believe that you can do anything that you choose to do. And, and you know, you've got your physical abilities and, and I want to see you be the best football player you can be. But I said, if you're depending on me to make sure you do all your workouts and <clears throat> make sure that you're, I said, I'm going to fail at that over time because I got, you know, I love you, but I don't, I don't want to be that parent that's always on you or whatever. I said, I, I need you to, to decide that you're going to do that. Uh, and I, I believe that's best for you. And I believe you can make that happen. What are some ways you think you could motivate yourself to make that happen? What are some things you could put in place? I said, it's not about, it's not about whether you can or can't. It's just, you got to figure out what your strategy is and what you want to do. do you, I mean, do you know that today that kid works out every day? Every day. I mean, it took a few months, you know, for him to try out some things. But now that kid works every day. Where are you going, Kate? I'm going to work out. You know, we got a little 
Jim out in the barn, you know, and I made sure he's resourced, made sure he's got a trainer. He's got, cause I don't know how to teach him how to be a defensive back, but you know, so I had to get him some resources. But And flip side, if you did know how to train him, how to be a defensive back, being his own dad, he might not listen. Yeah. I mean, and so, um, and, but, but he is, how do we get them? You know, I was like, we've never, we never check our kids grades much. Why? Because we, we talk to them about what they're doing in school, where their grades are. But I mean, they need to be taught when they're 16 to do their, do their schoolwork on their own, you know, and, and because, and, and why, well, well, they're not motivated. Well, then we need to talk to them about why they're not motivated. What is about, you know, one of the things my wife did, we were talking about with a family the other day, she said, my goal in, um, uh, we're actually talking to another podcast people, a guy, uh, a, a podcast called Dad Awesome, who oh, is yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jeff Zog, and, and uh, we were talking to him the other day, and um, and, we, and they have four daughters, and we're like, the best thing you can do at the younger ages is teach your kid a love of learning, because then, and teach them why, why hmm. we do school, not because we need to know all this science stuff, but we're learning how to learn, and when they get that, then they start to do school on their own, but and they start to understand the why behind it. And that's all we're talking about here is just like your Southwest Airlines, you know, you're giving them a vision for life and then helping them to go and meet that vision. That's a heck of a lot better way to parent than you're always doing something wrong and they're always on top of them. Yeah, absolutely. So thing to parent <clears throat> being curious, that heart connection, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's talking to dad the other day, a little, little bit different, but same type thing. Kid comes up and says, you know, dad, I need something or dad, I want something or whatever. And he goes, man, I, I've been goofing this up for a really long time. Cause defensively I answered no, every time, like my gut reaction was no. Right. And then I would think about it and then I would come back. Oh, just, wow. But, That's so man, yeah. did I, did I just shut him down? And you know, he's like, I'm realizing that I shouldn't have done it that way. Yeah. Yeah. My my wife talks about that in terms of uh, creating a culture of yes. And, um, and so like (laughs) she would, she was such a master. She's such a master at it because she didn't have to do as much anymore, but like the girls would come to her and go, mom, can I go spend the night at at so-and-so's house? And she'd be like, yes, but not tonight. (laughs) We're we're, going to, we're going to, and every time she, she always tries to give them a yes. And, and, And then she'll, flip it into something else. So it may be a, it may be a no, but it's maybe it's a delayed no. Oh yes, we can get those shoes, but you know, we're not, we don't really have the money right now, but man, when, you know, there, I will put that on the list and we'll make sure that we get those shoes, you know, it's just, that's such, that's such a good one that helping kids understand delayed gratification. Like that one's a skill that I work on all the time with my daughters. One's pretty good at it. The other one, we've got some opportunities, but uh, don't you, I mean, I bet with you, yours are eight and nine, right? Eight, nine. Yeah. So, but they're different. Very different. (laughs) And you only have two, right? Yeah. So how are they, how are they different? Uh, We've got one that's disciplined that uh, black and white, you know, everything's, and we've got the other one that uh, is 100% whatever's her way. That's the way, that's the only way. Well, yeah, probably a little bit more fun loving. Absolutely fun loving. Absolutely. Uh, will bold face tell you something that's absolutely terrible. And she's smiling and laughing about it and just letting you know that's the, that's what she does. Like, yeah, here's how it works. I totally know it's wrong, but man, do I enjoy it? And I'm going to keep doing it. 
Well, and, um, you know, so that's another thing about why it's so important to connect relationally, because the way you parent older child is not going to be the way you parent the younger child. To I mean, you may have to do it totally different ways, but we tend to, you know, and, and, you know, we see so often, we were talking to a family just the other day that's got a, you know, they're both pretty um, organized, get it done people, and they've adopted a child from another country. Mm, mm. And she has no, um, she's very fun loving and really doesn't care about school. And so, you know, my wife was trying to coach her, on, coach the mom on how to motivate her. And, you know, how to motivate that child will be different than, say, your oldest daughter, you know, who's disciplined and tends to, you know, tends to do the right thing. Uh, you know, it's just so much of it is. But if you don't know your kid, how are you ever going to parent them well? And, I, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. We see parents all over the place that are Christian parents, godly parents that are really love their kids. And they're, they're just working and they're working hard at parenting. I mean, super hard. They're involved in their kids' lives. They are doing things, but they're losing their kids, especially yeah. in the teenage years. And, and here's this, Dad, you're losing them because you're working at the wrong, at some of the wrong things, not all the wrong things. And it varies based on dads, parents I've talked to. But if you'll work at the right things, connecting with your kid, knowing the why, learning to listen, not again, not that you don't discipline, just leave that hammer in your pocket a little longer and, and pull it out when you need it, not just go banging around all the time. Create some laughter in your home, like you were saying, Dan. I mean, you know, creating that culture, your kids will respond to it. And you'll find that parenting actually gets easier, which was thrilling. Yes. For me. I seven yes. Kids and I was like, I got to figure out a way for this thing to be easier because it's exhausting to me yes. how to control everybody. Yes, yes, yes. I love that that shift right there. People say, what's the easy button? Well, that's kind of the easier, more fun button. Like in, yeah. when I switched my business life that way, same type thing. It became easier and more fun. Yeah. Well, you know, how did you do it? And what would you say is the business analogy to that? I'm interested to hear that. So yeah, so yeah the business analogy to that was when I, when I shifted away from the focus of getting what I wanted and I focused on how to enable others in my life to get what they wanted. Oh, wow. And just drop my motivation, uh, you know, entirely. I still have my goals, but when I made connection and relationship with others and asked them about what they were going for and figured out ways to help them with what they wanted, everything came back. That old Zig Ziglar quote, if I can help enough people get what they want, I'll end up with what I want. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that's a great, um, and you know, and then it's almost like as, um, as parents, and we hear this a lot. I was just at a church speaking uh, last weekend and talking to a group of parents and, and the parents were concerned of is I, if I give my kid what they want, it will spoil them. It will make, it will, you know, if I praise them too much, they'll get a big head. Oh, I can't praise them too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, but, but we think that a lot of, a lot of parents think that, that we are, we can't spoil them. We've got to almost like we got to toughen them up. Yeah. And dads, I want to flip that for you a little bit, because if you will, uh, you know, how do you, like you say, help them towards their goals? You know, it's, it's like, I'll give you an example. Uh, my daughter was, was my third daughter who actually works for us, a crazy cool family right now. She was a, I, I believed in her life that she needed, that she was a worship leader. 
And so she had a great voice and, and I just told her, you know, I said, Macy, I think that uh, and when she was in middle school and things, I think that God, I love to hear you worship. And I think that God wants to use you in worship. Nothing really happened on it or whatever, but then, and she's in her, you know, she's in school. She's a softball player and a volleyball player comes to us like before her um, junior year, the summer before her junior year, it says, I think that the Lord wants me to quit sports and become a worship leader. Oh, wow. And, and, and become a worship leader and focus on the top 10% in my class so I can get into any college I want. Well, I like to watch her play softball. You know, I mean, she was getting pretty good at it. And I was like, really? You know, but, but it was like, okay, how can we help you realize that vision? So we got her a voice coach, you know, we helped her yeah. with some things. And uh, we started working with her to realize her dreams, you know, uh, and instead of just trying to, you know, hey, you got to be on a path. When we get into our kids' lives and we start to help them on their journey with Jesus, it opens up so many. They start to become empowered. Um, you know, my, uh, and, and this will be crazy for dads, but my, you know, my son that just came home, he's 16 years old, sophomore in high school. And he is a, he's starting outside linebacker on his team. He made a yeah. sophomore year. He's, he's, but, but he comes to us and he says, dad, mom and dad, uh, I don't want to go to high school anymore. Ooh. I'm, I'm done with high school. Life is way too busy. I want to go to our local junior college, kind of homeschool, get dual credit. And I want to start investing more in our church and more in ministry and, and be discipled by people. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I mean, you know, I, that's what I'm thinking because I said, you have this experience. I said, you have a, you have a, your junior and senior year, there's about a million high school kids that would kill for your rest of your, your junior and senior year. But he just felt like the Lord was leading him in a different direction. So we had to really pray about that, but we honored it. And I said, I, and I told him, I said, look, Michael, and, and I know this sounds weird to everybody, but I mean, I just think it's a great example. I said, I said, you've got a million dollar opportunity that, that's been created. I said, if you're going to do this, you need to go create a $2 million opportunity. And so, and, and how can we help you do that? And so we did. And he wound up speaking in front of youth groups and he wound up getting mentored by all these people because he had capacity, he had time, yeah. you know, and, and there were some road bumps along the way, but at the end of the two years, he gave an, a commencement speech at his little, you know, kind of graduation ceremony we'd set up for him. And he said, you know what? My dad told me I, had, I was losing a million dollar opportunity and I had to create a two million one, but I did. And, and I've been, and now he, it propelled him. It solidified his faith. He did a ton of reading, ton of mentoring, and it got him ready for the next four years of his journey at the University of Arkansas. That is awesome. And that, I mean, I just say that to mean that, that, that's crazy cool family. That's, you know, what if you looked at your journey and family that way versus how we're going to rigidly make sure everything is happening? I'm going to pause it real quick. Whoops. So I, I love that. I love how you guide your kids to help them make good decisions. I love how you lead them and allow them to be part of the conversation. Uh, million to 2 million. If we say yes to this, what are we saying? No to yeah. fantastic. However, uh, 
you set up your own commencement speech for your son. <laughs> I didn't mean to. He's the one that did. Yeah. But you know, it, what I, what I want to, you know, let's say for example, uh, you know, you got a six-year-old and they want to play whatever, you know, maybe you want to play baseball and they want to play lacrosse. Man, you know, what I did with Michael, I, I, that they were, at the most, I lost two years for him, you know, because I knew he was going to go to college. And so there's, and that was a lot, but I mean, it, he was older and I knew his heart. But I mean, sometimes, so many times when we talk to our kids, what if they try things? And what if they fail? And what if they, you know, it's only going to be three months. It's only going to be, you know, so often we get so worried about that child making a, a, you know, a 60 on the spelling test. Okay, they're third grade. You know, let's figure out the why, what's happening, what's the learning problem, how do we teach them how to study rather than, you know, again, putting the big L on the forehead, you're, you know, you got to get better, why aren't you doing this, you know, and griping at them, those are the things I want to shift in parents and dads in this case, all over because we, when we do that, we make our kids come alive, and we, and we help them to have, how do you raise confident kids? How do you raise kids who are world changers versus being changed by the world? You instill in them what Jesus, what God instilled in Jesus. This is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. When you are putting those things into your kids, they're going to change the world. Mm, that is so good. So I keep hearing you say that as a theme. There's a guy named Blake Brewer. He's got a legacy letter. His dad was a CPA also, and he drown in Hawaii on a family vacation while Blake was wow. with him. Oh, wow. Hours later, mom says, here's a legacy letter. Your dad wrote it for, or here's a letter your dad wrote. I don't know what it is. He's been writing it for months, but now seems like a time to give it to you. And anyway, it was, wow. it was a legacy letter. It was all the things that his dad loved about him, thought about him, believed in him and what he hoped for the future. And he goes, my mind went from spinning to ultimate clarity because I, I knew the direction my dad wanted me to go, believed in me. And I also knew, you know, his heart for God. And he was, you know, like and you it said. Took me, it took me a long, I just want to keep saying that because it took me a long time to figure this because I was not like that as a young parent. So I have a story in the book, in our book, Crazy Cool Family, where um, I'm driving with my second daughter. So she's 16. And, and we are driving in the car and we are, and we're, and actually I'm talking to her about, you know, how I'm so proud of her and, and, you know, and how she's really is a godly teenage girl. And she said, dad, you had a lot to do with that. And I'm like, oh, wow. Tell me more. You know I mean? You know, you know, <laughs> like, this is, you know, not often. And she said, you know, she, and we, cause we were talking about encouragement and, and criticism things. She says, dad, she said years ago, I didn't think I could do anything right in your eyes. She said, now today, I don't think I can do anything wrong. Mm. Because, and you know, that letter is a great example. What if you wrote that letter in their hearts every day? What if, you know, for your eight and nine year old girls, what if you're coming in the house looking for things they're doing right rather than being annoyed with the things they're doing wrong? What if you're, you know, listening to them, hey, talking to them more instead of telling them what to do all the time? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you start to write that letter. My wife talks about how our kids are a big, white, blank marker board. And guess what? The world's writing on them all the time, and it's not good. 
They're telling them they're not pretty enough. They're telling them they're not smart enough. They're telling them they're not athletic enough. Whatever it is, they're, they're all the little girls when they get into middle school are going to tell them all the things that they are, you know, your girls and everything. What are you writing on their hearts? What's on that? What are you writing on that, Mark? Because, because really, you know, the world will write and it'll be, it'll, it'll stick some, but what you write will stick. What you write, and God has given us that, that conduit into their hearts. So you can write a bunch of negative stuff or you can write that legacy letter. And if you do that, you're going to see your girls respond with life and hope. Guys, guys, right there. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling like you're looking for something, if you're you know looking for something different than, than what you're feeling right now, that right there, that's kind of God's promise for us. He wants good things for us. He promises good things for us. If we lean into him, there's a prayer that I say, you know, God, I'm looking to join me and my wife closer together. So in order to do that, we need to get closer to you. And by default, we'll be closer to each other. And I pray that prayer every morning. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. And, God, you know, I want to encourage men, too, is that, um, you know, we are all business guys, or most of us are business guys. Most of us are busy. Um, you know, most of us are messed up in the world of relationships. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to connect. I mean, that's so normal. Just, but we're also really smart and can learn differently. And we can be open to the power of the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. And then, you know, once we start down that path, because the first thing we got to do is believe differently. We got to believe that we don't need to lecture as much. We got to believe that we need to find out what's in their heart, for example. Well, then we can start to learn how to walk down that journey. And we mm-hmm. can start to, you know, God will show us things about how to listen more, you know, how to, how to be that. But it just takes time. But the first thing is just changing that direction. But the cool deal is anybody can do it. Anybody, every dad can win. Every family can win, you know? And so it really is a a game that's just, it's so fun to play because it doesn't have to be, I win at your expense. Everybody can win. So I got three things to finish this out. Yeah. (laughs) One, I want to hear how Donald Driver, the Green Bay Packer wide receiver that I loved watching play. Yeah. Gave you a testimonial on your website. Next, uh, we'll connect into how guys can connect with you and a little bit about your your free membership uh, site yep. and stuff that you have. And then we'll finish off with a challenge for the guys, something that's simple, that, or not maybe not simple, but something that they can execute week to week. Yep. So between this week's podcast and next week's, yep. uh, you know, that'll help them get better as dads or family members or connection or any of that type of thing. So Donald Driver, let her rip. So well, first of all, he's my trainer for my son in football. Get out of here. Yeah. So he's <laughs> that was a big check. <laughs> so, you know, I never am a name dropper. So I mean, you know, I didn't want to talk about that. And he's a super guy, but Donald Driver lives in Flower Mount where we live. And no so, way. Uh, yeah. So he in fact, I'm I'm trying to get him on a podcast because um on our podcast because just a great story of him and his family because he you know, a lot of football players, either they live in Green Bay or, but, but he wanted his family to live in the, he's from Houston, wanted his family to live in Flower Mound. So they would literally move up there for six months and then move back. So, uh, so driver's been in our church forever. 
and I coached his boy in baseball. His his son and my second son are the same age. And so we just have known each other for many, many years. He's been in our church forever. He's just a super guy. And so, um, so yeah, so we've been friends and now he's, he's coached, he's helped uh, coach all my boys in football and training and stuff. Um, and uh, really just a super guy has really invested in my life and uh, an amazing individual, um, just such energy in life. He's, he's, um, and an amazing story and, and, and just a, a, a godly man who um, is, you know, love his wife. I mean, it's just a great family. So that's they, awesome. Yeah. From a football player's perspective, energy, hard work, yes. and that guy could take a hit and he was fearless too. So McCade, my youngest is he, it's so funny. I go out there to his place. He's got a place in great Mountain called driven elite. And so um, McCade has to cover him. You know, <laughs> and I'm like, McCade, if you can do that, you can do anything. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun. And uh, um, yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, as far as just connecting with us, so it really kind of relates to the challenge. So for every dad, and if you've listened to this whole podcast, congratulations, you've endured me talking for an hour here, but, and so let me finish with, um, uh, we, you can get a book on Amazon, a Crazy Cool Family, just Google Crazy Cool Family book. And But really what we love to do, and our podcast is also called Crazy Cool Family, but what we love to do is get people into our free membership site. And that's called Basecamp. And I'm sure you'll put a link in your notes. I will. Yep. Basecamp.crazycoolfamily.com. Takes about a minute to sign up. And what we do there, dads, is we we give you this framework when I when I was younger I just we were going to all these seminars and reading books and and you know going to mentors and I said man I wish somebody would just write me a framework a playbook for how to do family I want to win at family and just like you know you have a you know an NFL coach and they have a playbook and that playbook is their their plays that they're going to do to win ball games and, and to, to score points on the offensive thing. I said, that's what I want. I want a playbook. And that's what we've done for you in the, in the Crazy Bull Family book, for one thing, but really in the membership site, Basecamp, it's a series of short video courses. There's other things on there like, you know, um, question answer sessions. There's our links to our podcast, outside resources. But the main thing is what we call our core courses. And, and that's what we really like for men to go through or parents to go through because it's our, it's the playbook. I'll show you, you know, we pack, unpack everything we've been talking about here about how, how to connect with your kids, you know, how to build relationships and connections, how to connect them to Jesus and how to help them to become world changers. So I, that's what, and that kind of relates to the challenge. I would, I would ask that this week, go sign up for Basecamp and then um, go through there. If you go into the core courses, You'll see a dashboard. It's super easy to navigate. Go into the core courses, and there is a course called The Big Picture. It's five videos. Each of them are 15 minutes or less in length and easy to cover in a week. And I would ask you to take a day a week or, you know, five days during the week or whatever it is. You can binge watch however you want to do it, but go through that first course and get a picture of how to do family differently 
And then there's, you know, from there, there's all kinds of resources. I mean, there's all kinds of resources there that you can continue to go through, but that would be what I would challenge dads to do. That's awesome. I, li- I like that challenge a lot because if you don't know where you're going or even know the possibility where you could go to, it's yeah. tough to tough to start moving under direction. So that's well, like if you a- want extra credit, they can just sit down with your wife and watch. I mean, literally, you can get through the videos in probably a little over an hour. I think I need to add it up one time and see how much it is. But, but I mean, literally, you could watch them all and just gives you and talk about where are we going as a baby. Like you say, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? And, you know, how, what is your vision for family? It's going to help you start to build a different framework and really not necessarily a different framework, but a different methodology to get to the results you want. That's great. Oh, I took so many notes. <laughs> I love, love the conversation. I love that we can talk a little bit of football and, uh, and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of reminds me of just a short story. There was a uh, defensive back I was friends with here in St. Louis when the Rams were in town. His name's Dre Bly, uh, kind of a crazy guy, uh, full of energy and everything. And I asked him, I said, now, granted, he's a defensive guy. We used to have a coach called Mike Martz, who was known as the mad genius. Oh, he was yeah. an offensive guy. Yeah, he, said, was, yeah he was. The, they did the movie about him when they did the Kurt Warner movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I said, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Martz got kind of, kicked out of town, you know, get out of here. You know, you, uh-huh. you're a little bit too, whatever. And I said, what'd you think about him? He goes, oh, I loved him. I said, you loved him, huh? And I'm thinking this guy was the coach that would go for it on fourth and nine and just uh-huh. whatever. Always pushing the envelope, you know? And uh, I'm like, the defensive guy liked an offensive guy like that. Interesting. I'm like, tell me about that. Why? What, what is it about him? Like you're fired up. And he goes, thing was, He'd put us in positions and he'd set us up and he'd say, here's the play. I'm putting you in a position where you can use all your skills to the best of your abilities. And I believe in you. You can do it. I'm like, so what was that like? He's like, well, on defense, he'd say, make the play. Mm -hmm. If that guy catches, if Donald driver goes over the top on you, but you were making your play and using your best skills and it was the play I called or the play the defensive coordinator called. Yeah. Okay. So be it. We got beat. But I'd rather you go and make the play that you're capable of making and be your best. And I'm going to put you in positions where you can be your best. I'm like, you're a defensive guy. He goes, I know he did that for the offensive guys too. So when they're going on four and on fourth and nine, it wasn't, he blamed himself. It wasn't my players. It was my play. Wow. Because the play was designed to succeed. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think that that's a great analogy for dads is that set your kids up in a position to win. You know, so often unknowingly we set them up for failure and we, we were instilling, we're writing on that marker board things that are defeating them rather than empowering them. You know, you know, to think about, wouldn't you rather play for an inspiring coach or would you rather play for a coach that's just, you know, on you all the time and you're never, you know, you're never enough. Some coaches coach like that yeah. and, and they're somewhat effective, you know, because the negative motivation does work to some extent. But the guys you really think about following and you want to go through a wall for are the guys that are inspiring and yes. they call out who you are. Well, that's a very much a spiritual principle. And, uh, and God does that with us. He, he wants us to call out who we are. I mean, you know, even Romans 8, it says we are no longer orphans. We are children of the king. 
you know, and, and just think about how uh, uh, as we go into Easter, you know, and maybe even for dads, this may be something that speaks into our hearts is that we are children of the king. Well, how does a child of the king act versus an orphan? You know, an, an orphan's scared, an orphan's fearful, an orphan's holding on to things, an orphan is angry, an or you know, the child of the king walks with confidence. He has the full power of the king, not in an arrogant way, but he's just, he knows that he can get things done. He knows he has power. Well, what if our kids walk like that? We're, we're as parents, when you're with your eight and nine-year-old little girls, you're putting them, you're putting their identity into them first. And then we even have a, you know, that's one of our videos in the, in the base camp deal is how, how you put identity into them first to where when God, when you start to talk to them about God, when they're 12, 13, 14, they start to develop their own relationship with God. They're like, of course, God loves me because my dad, who is my first example of the heavenly father, he loves me. He, he, he's, he's my king. And so when they start thinking like that, it's an easy transfer in that sales role to, of course, God loves me. Yeah, I'm going to walk with confidence. I'm going to walk with freedom because I know who I am. Yes. yes. That's what we're doing as dads. So, so I get on soapboxes because it's a passion of mine. Dads, we want to help you become the best dads you can be. And, and that means when you're that, you're going to be, you're going to make an amazing environment for your kids and your kids are going to become world changers. Let's go do that. Isn't that sound like a lot more fun? You know, let's go make that happen. It's been the best thing. It'd be the coolest thing you ever did. Absolutely. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Preach on Don. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's something we've been doing for a while. We love it. And uh, whatever we can do to help the dads of your podcast, um, we would love to help. It's just, you know, this is what the next season of life, God said, you know, I've, I've worked for 30 years and I'll still do business stuff. But, you know, my wife asked me the other day, if you had $20 million, you know, what would you do? And I'd say, I'd do this right here because this is where God's called us. And it is the, you know, I still got to provide that the, the bills don't stop. So you got to keep doing certain things. And, um, but um, man, we're loving what we're doing and we want to help dads and moms be their best. Well, that sounds great. Well, I haven't read the book yet, but I will buy the book today. I can't yeah. wait to read it. Well, good. Uh, yeah. Anything else we can do? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, if, if anybody has any questions, just you can email me at Don at crazycoolfamily.com if you have any questions or want to connect. We serve churches, you know, so we, I was just telling you, I spoke at a church. So we, we believe in the local church. We believe in helping connect our resources with the local church and with organizations. So anything we can do to help them and, and the church as well to help dads and moms, that'd be awesome. So thanks for having me, man. This has been great. I've really enjoyed the time. Well, I appreciate it a bunch as well. And I look forward to connecting again in the future. And Absolutely. guys, jump into that free membership site and take the challenge this week. I'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads 
that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.